All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast, where we help you connect with the past through food. My name is James, and I'm your host, and this is episode 65. Now, before I dive into today's episode, I wanted to thank you all for finding the show, for joining us today. I missed the episode last week. I had computer problems. It's currently in the repair shop, so I found another way to record for this episode, but uh, hope to be getting back to that normal, again, once a week release on these episodes. So thank you for finding the show. If you like what you hear, as always, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. That's really going to help grow the show and help more people find it. The inspiration for this week's episode came from a family group chat where my dad posted a picture and said, this is the only way I'll eat bananas. The picture contained a beautiful image of a delicious banana pudding. Now, this instantly took me back to earlier days growing up where my dad would often make banana pudding. Of course, he would use the Nilla wafers as the base and pour over cheap banana pudding and slice bananas and top it all with, uh, with Cool Whip. Fast forward a few years, and I'm living in Tennessee. I found myself at a meet and three for lunch. And for those of you who haven't been to the South, I'll briefly explain what a meet and three is. This is a restaurant that serves a helping of protein with three vegetables. I should say they call them vegetables, but that's really a loose definition of what they actually serve. So what do I mean by that? Well, for example, they call French fries vegetables. They call macaroni and cheese vegetables. And perhaps most shocking of all, they call banana pudding a vegetable. You can get that as one of your three vegetables. Now, before everyone in the South sends me hate mail, let me just say it was this particular place that called banana pudding a vegetable. And if that's what they mean when they say eat more vegetables, then, you know, I can really support that. I can get behind that. (laughs) So here I am in this restaurant about to eat my lunch. And my coworker says, I absolutely have to get the banana pudding. And I decided that more vegetables wouldn't hurt anything. So I quickly ordered another banana pudding. I was delighted to find out that this was exactly like the banana pudding my dad made growing up. It was a little bit of nostalgia in the bowl. I quickly dug in and deeply enjoyed every bite of that part of my meal. Banana pudding is huge in the South. You'll find it on almost every restaurant menu. It's everywhere. So today we're going to dive into the history behind this classic Southern dish. Like almost anything else in food, banana pudding and bananas have an interesting place in history. Bananas began to trickle over from the West Indies in the early 1800s before the Civil War. And it didn't take long for enterprising individuals to begin to find a market for this strange exotic fruit. Bananas also found their way to the states from the Caribbean and from Central America. Many people believe that it wouldn't take long for Americans to learn to appreciate the humble banana. This led to decades of 
creative and aggressive ad campaigns. As the supply of bananas increased in the country, chefs and households began to come up with more and more creative ways to use them. The very first mention of banana pudding in print is from 1878 in the New York Times. And the first recipe for banana pudding in print seems to be from Good Housekeeping in 1888. And at that time, Good Housekeeping was based out of Massachusetts. This recipe was super simple and super straightforward. The article said, make and chill a pint of custard, line a pretty dish with alternating layers of sliced sponge cake and sliced bananas, pour custard over the layers, and top with whipped cream. And this is essentially the recipe that we have today. When did Nilla wafers come on the scene? That's the real difference between the recipe today versus the recipe from the 1800s. Instead of cake, we use Nilla wafers, or for people that really want to dig in there, they can make their own cookie. So a woman from Bloomington, Illinois, shared her recipe for banana pudding with her local paper. And this was the first known printed recipe for banana pudding using Nilla wafers. The article was printed in 1921. The, the National Biscuit Company, or Nabisco as we know it today, decided to capitalize on this opportunity. They began printing recipes for banana pudding on boxes of vanilla wafers in the 40s. Now, in the 40s, they were called vanilla wafers, not nilla wafers. In 1967, that's when Nabisco shortened the name from vanilla wafers down to nilla wafers. And the recipe remained on the box. If you want to sell more product, give people a reason to buy it. Put the recipe right there on the box and people will buy it. Now, to this point, the history of banana pudding had been tied to the Northeast and the Midwest. So how on earth did banana pudding become a cultural icon in the South? It seems to be that the media actually began to put the Southern spin on this classic dessert. In 1933, a news column posted a recipe for Southern banana pudding. The Southern twist was frying the bananas before adding them to the dessert. Now, I've been going through all of my grandma's recipes. She was born and raised in Kentucky. And anytime she calls out something as being Southern, it usually means excessive amounts of butter or frying the dish in some way. So I understand this Southern twist quite well. Now, Sirius Eats, it's a uh, popular blog online. They did a fascinating analysis on this idea of journalists declaring banana pudding a Southern dessert. They ran a text search through online newspaper archives. And what they showed is that banana pudding started the 20th century with no Southern identity. 17.89% of the references for banana pudding in the early 1900s and 10.81% of the references in the 1910s appeared in Southern newspapers. So all the other references are coming from the Midwest, from the North, from the Northeast. In the 1920s, those numbers jumped to 
five, six percent. So more Southern publications are writing about banana pudding. Between the 1930s and 1950s, the percent of references hovered steady around 50%. Now, by the 1980s, they had risen all the way to 83.78% of all printed references in news publications. But why the South? Why did this take off in the South? (laughs) No one really knows. There are a number of common theories out there. Uh, Some will range from bananas running through the ports in New Orleans. And uh, and so it was a way for (laughs) Southerners to have easy access to bananas. However, that doesn't hold any water because it's not any bigger in New Orleans than it is anywhere else in the South. And in the early 1900s, there weren't a lot of references for banana pudding in New Orleans. Uh, Other people will say it's a nice, cool dessert to eat on a summer day. So on those hot, humid, muggy days in the South in the summertime, uh, people didn't have to turn on their ovens. So that makes sense. But again, that doesn't hold much water because it was summer everywhere and it's hot everywhere. The most plausible theory I came across is simply that it's cheap and it's easy to make in a large group of people. It's virtually the same level of effort to make banana pudding for two people or for 20 people and virtually the same cost. In the South, families gather for a variety of events. It's a huge part of the culture. It makes sense that a cheap and delicious dessert would have some real staying power. So while we don't know why it took off in the South, we can be grateful that they embraced it. This has kept this cherished banana dessert alive and well. And it's one that I'll admit I grew up on, and it's absolutely delicious. It's definitely my favorite way to eat a banana. So now I'm going to share some banana fun facts. These are pretty interesting. The banana species we consume today has changed a few times to, uh, due to disease that impacts bananas. In 1965, the gross Michel banana that was widely available was swapped for our modern variety. And the gross Michel, or Michel, Michel, gross Michel, probably French. I don't speak French, so that's a hard one. They're almost impossible to find today. And these bananas, they are sweeter, they're creamier than the modern day banana that we have. And here's a fact that completely blew my mind. Bananas are part of the berry family. Doesn't resemble a berry in any way, in my opinion, but science says differently. The banana is the fourth most popular agricultural product grown in the world. People who are allergic to bananas are most likely allergic to latex as well. Bananas are the only known fruit that is said to help the human body produce serotonin. Placing bananas in the fridge will slow the ripening process. So if you buy more bananas than you can use, you want to slow them down, put them in the fridge. The most bananas peeled and eaten in one minute is eight. Beat that. (laughs) And then post a video or share it in the comments. In the Philippines, bananas are used in place of tomatoes to make ketchup. 
If you have an inflamed bug bite, the inside of a banana peel can help relieve itching on that affected area. Bananas are a good source of potassium, fiber, vitamin C, and vitamin B6. Georgia Band, this one drives me crazy, mainly because I do not like feeling sticky and gross, and this is the very definition of sticky and gross, my friends. Georgia Band Southern Culture on the Skids used to throw banana pudding at their audience when they'd perform their song named Banana Puddin'. (laughs) So imagine being one of those surprised concert goers with banana pudding thrown in your face. (laughs) I would not appreciate that, but I'm sure everyone had a good time. Well, that's all I have for you today. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it's really the best thing that you can do to help grow the show. And that's what we're trying to do here is grow the show, sharing food history with everyone. Until next week.